Welcome to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. Today's message is Positioned for Success by Mark Patch. Great are you, Lord. Lord, I praise you for the words that have come forward this morning. Pray that this short talk might add to those words. Lord, that you would be praised in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So over the last few weeks, Rob, Pastor Liz, Sue have been talking about, talking us through Exodus. And there are so many lessons to be learned from this book. As we progress through it, we learn from what God has and reveals himself as. So in Exodus 15... God revealed himself as a healer. In 16, he reveals himself as a provider. And in today's text, Exodus 17, he reveals himself as our banner or our standard. Now, we're all pretty familiar with the concept of what a banner is because we stand and face it every time we enter the church. Everybody matters. That's our banner here. It comes So the concept of a banner or a standard comes from a military um, background and we'll talk about that a bit later. But Jeanette reminded me on the way here when we were just talking about it that it doesn't matter how old you are, you can understand the concept of a banner and how important it is. So in two weeks' time, my family will march as the Lindsay clan at the Highland Games at Bundanoon in southern New South Wales. Our young kids will welcome the opportunity to carry our clan banner. They understand how important it is to our clan. They understand that it goes before us and it represents every single member of our clan, even though they can't be present there. It's as if they are president. That's what a standard or a banner is. It brings the presence of God, in this case, into the Israelites' reality. Now, each of the speakers has begun with some context, so who am I to vary this well-trodden approach? Let me give you some context. We've got two million Israelites. They've moved through the Red Sea and they find themselves now in what we would know as the Sinai Desert. Had they gone direct, they would have crossed over the River Jordan and into Canaan and inherited the presence and the promises of God. This relatively straightforward trek across the desert sands should have taken the two million Jews, less than two weeks. But instead, it was to take them 40 years. 40 years in which God taught them anew to rely completely on him. Now, as soon as they crossed the Red Sea, they faced their first conflict with the nation of Amalek. This was the nation that had descended from Esau's grandson, Amalek. These two nations should, in fact, have been on much better terms as the Amaleks 
were also were descendants of Esau and Isaac. And you can read this all in Genesis 36. So in effect, they were cousins, long-lost cousins. But Amalek had grown up in Esau's household, imbibing his grandfather's pathological hatred of Jacob's descendants along the way. And so it was that the nation of Amalek was to give the Israelites problems from the Red Sea all the way to Jordan. You may recall that later in Numbers 14, Moses sent 12 tribal leaders out to reconnoitre Canaan and to give him a report. Ten of them came back and said, we can't go in. Only two of them, Joshua and Caleb, came back and said, we are well equipped and able to take over and conquer the enemy. I've always paraphrased this as, let's go and kick some Amalekite butt. (laughs) God is with us who can be against us. So when Moses asked the ten, who is it, excuse me, over there that you're afraid of? Their answer was the Amalekites. Now there's a lesson here for all of us. Even though the nation of Amalek is long gone, they live on in each and every one of us as the internal enemies that we face each and every day in our daily battles. Because in many ways, the Israelite struggles are a reflection of our struggles. They were born again as a nation when they were released by the Egyptians and they crossed the Red Sea. But from the second they were set free, they faced challenges. Sound familiar? In Exodus 17, 1-3, the Israelites are complaining that there's no water for them or their livestock. Interestingly, They complained about water here at the beginning of their journey and they were still complaining about it 40 years later in Numbers 21 to 13 at the end of their journey. So in many respects, these people are struggling with the same things that we have hassles with every single day. Food, water, clothes and personal conflicts to name just a few. They faced conflicts and battles in their daily lives just like you, just like me. Some real, some imagined. Sound like your life? Certainly sounds like mine. The Amalekites were numerous and dangerous and regularly attacked the Israelite stragglers at the rear when they were faint and weary. You might say they were, had every right to attack the Israelites because they feared that the Israelites were moving to take over their lands which is the Negev Desert just south of Israel. But the crazy thing about it was, the Israelites had no intention whatsoever of taking over the Amalek lands. In fact, they were going in completely the wrong direction to do so. For both nations, this was a life and death battle. Not only did Amalek oppose the people of God, they opposed the very plans of God. The first battle is documented in verses 9 through 11. Moses says to Joshua, choose a band of select men to represent us and go out and fight against the nation of Amalek. Tomorrow, 
I will station myself on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. Joshua did as Moses told him and fought against Amalek. And Moses, Aaron and Hur were up on top of the hill. And so it came about that when Moses held his hands up, Israel prevailed. And when he let his hands down, Amalek prevailed. Now, doesn't give you much of a timeline in the verses of Exodus 17. So Moses is standing here holding the staff of God up. How long do you reckon he had to stand while Joshua and the Israelites fought the Amaleks in the valley below? Yeah, not 15 minutes. I'd encourage you all to stand and hold a staff for 15 minutes. Maybe some of you do it at gym. I certainly don't. Try and do it for a day. Day and a bit, actually, by the time the sun rises and that sort of stuff. Try doing that. Just try holding your hands up like this for a day. So it's quite a task that an ageing Moses gave himself. There are three key aspects that can be we can look at and derive from this action. The first is conflicts are just a part of life. Why does God let us experience conflict? In short, he does it to build up our resilience. How often have you found that God reveals himself to us in deeper ways when we are struggling? Isn't it true that when we're being challenged, we take the time to seek God more diligently than when everything is going really well. So if we seek him more diligently in conflict, the reason he allows us to be in conflict becomes a bit clearer. He uses conflict when he knows that we'll seek him more diligently to teach us life's lessons and to reveal more of himself. Moses named that place Massa and Meribah, which meant to test and to quarrel or contend. Maybe, just maybe, we need to seek out our Massa and Meribah so we can find that place where he reveals himself most clearly to us. The Israelites were focused on two significant issues, a lack of water and a very capable enemy. But maybe God was more interested in teaching them how to live in relationship with him in the midst of their daily struggles. Clearly we need to live on two levels, one with God and one on earth, and we need to ensure that they meet in such a way that we can please him in both. Remember that over the 400 years that they'd been enslaved in Egypt, God had fought every Israelite battle for them. But now it's become a partnership. On the battlefield against the Amalekites is where the relationship with God and their earthly life of struggles meet. So Israel fights and Moses prays. Secondly, we need to be able to learn to live on the mountain and in the valley. Nicky Gumbel notes that in this one chapter, Moses had moments of great spiritual lows And yet God was able to turn those lows into highs. He did this in two ways. Firstly, by teaching the Israelites to support and encourage one another. 
Moses interceded for Joshua and the people, and as long as he held his hands up, the Israelites would prevail. So Aaron and Hur held his arms up as Moses tied. We should be reminded of the power and necessity of intercessory prayer and the importance of the loving support and encouragement that we give each other when we're weary. It's the words that we've been given this morning. The second was by learning how to delegate. Moses' father-in-law Jethro cautioned Moses that trying to do everything yourself is not effective leadership. He needed to delegate his authority. Note that he delegates his authority. He never delegates his responsibility. Importantly, Moses was humble and wise enough to accept the advice, which included three criteria for selecting and appointing leaders over varying numbers of people. He chose leaders for thousands, hundreds, fifties and tens, based on them being firstly capable, Clearly, you must be competent to be a leader. They needed to be God-fearing, put God ahead of everything else. And thirdly, they needed to be trustworthy, loyal, discreet, and reliable. It's clear from this passage that we must be capable of living life both in the trenches, in the bottom of the valleys, and on the mountains. And to do this, we need to be aware of a few things. First, All our battles take place on two fronts, the physical and the spiritual. The obvious one was Joshua in the valley facing the hand-to-hand combat of the daily battles that we all face. If we are to position ourselves for success, we must fight our battles on two fronts, the physical and the spiritual. You need to pray for yourself and others just as they are praying for themselves and holding you up in their prayer. Joshua needed Moses. Moses needed Aaron and Hur. Moses raising his hands, holding the staff of God, is a picture of us. David confirms this in Psalm 28 where he says, lift your hands up and reach towards God's most holy place. Did you know that there are over 60 verses in the New Testament using the phrase one another? admonishing us to live this out, to serve each other, to honour others over ourselves, to pray for one another, to encourage, to forgive, to bear one another's burdens and so many other ways we need to help each other. God clearly wants us to live out this shared life together for the sake of establishing the kingdom and for our own blessing. Now, you may be familiar with the Greek word koinonia, which is commonly interpreted as fellowship, but koinonia goes way beyond simple fellowship or socialising or being at a church event. In three of the four occurrences in the New Testament, the word koinonia conveys the idea of kind of close camaraderie that is created through shared commitment and sacrifice. In my military experience, this is known as esprit de corps, and it creates a special bond between members of a unit as the direct result of working and sacrificing together towards a common objective. In the church, it becomes close Christian fellowship, formed through our dedication to God by living faithfully in his will. 
When Jethro observed that Moses was overwhelmed in trying to govern the people single-handedly, he was also highlighting a principle of godly leadership, and that was it was that was clear to Jethro that Moses could not do it alone. And so he advised Moses to delegate his authority. In other words, appoint others to help him. The point was made once again that whether we are a leader or a follower, we need one another, and that's just as it should be. Jesus himself honoured this truth by forming a band of apostles who had one another for support and encouragement. In fact, we recently watched the episode um, where he sent the 12 out two by two, not singularly, when he commissioned them to go out on their own to preach and to heal the sick in Mark 6, 7 to 13. He never intended there to be any solitary disciples because he knew very well that we need one another to become our best selves. Now, a simple illustration of the need to support one another if we're going to succeed came to light in May 1953 when Neil was a young whippersnipper. When Edmund Hillary, a New Zealand beekeeper and explorer, and his Sherpa guide Tenzing Norgay from Nepal returned to base camp, having been the first two men in history to summit Mount Everest. Hillary's name remains famous for this inspiring achievement. How many of us remember Tenzing Norgay? We should, though, because on the descent down, from the 8,850-metre-high summit, Hillary slipped and began sliding down a very steep, icy slope. He would have fallen to his certain death, except that Tenzing instinctively dug his ice axe into the ice and braced himself for the sudden, heavy pull on the rope that linked them together, thus saving Hillary's life. But at the risk, of course, of his own life, Because had he not done that, he may well have, if his anchor hadn't held, he may well have gone down the slope as well. Back at base camp, reporters made a great deal over what they called Tenzing's heroism. Excuse me, in that incident. But through it all, he remained entirely unfazed and responded simply and matter-of-factly, mountain climbers always help each other. He honestly couldn't see why that would be considered to be extraordinary. It would have been exceptional, in fact, if he had tried not to save his friend. It's a matter of life and death in that context. But the truth is, it also applies equally to the rest of us. Or so it should. As humans, God created us to benefit from a network of mutually supportive relationships that both nurture and strengthen us. God has given us support mechanisms in the form of family, friends and communities. They are crucial to our success and can be life-saving emotionally and spiritually. In fact, just look around and you can witness the fact that the church is the supreme example of that vital reality. As the Apostle Paul explained to the Corinthian church, all parts of the human body, our eyes, ears, hands, even our weaker and less honourable members rely on one another and work together just as the body of Christ should. 
We need each other in order to become whole and to live in the fullness of God's blessings. If you don't have people that you know are holding you up in prayer with whom you can reciprocate, don't leave this building this morning without going and asking at least one person to support you. Alternatively, if you know someone who's in need of intercessory prayer, go and encourage them and offer them your support. More of that later. Second, practical everyday issues of conflict need prayer. Can I encourage you please to pray for leaders both of the government and of the church? Pray for one another. Make sure you seek partners in your battle. Join a life group. Work with a small group of people that you can trust and love and share your innermost self with so that they can join you as partners in your battles. Grow in your prayer life by taking time to walk with God and lift your hands to him in worship and in prayer. Don't try and be a lone ranger in the kingdom. We all need others. And make sure you always have a clear vision of the strategic outcomes of your prayer. In this case, Moses was praying for the emergence of Joshua as a leader. What is the strategic outcome of your prayer? And the third thing that we can take from this chapter is we need to prepare the next generation. Like Joshua, who was down in the valley fighting the battle, many of the next generation of our leaders don't see their current battles as preparing them for the future. It was Moses' prayer on the hill that set the course for Joshua's destiny. It was Moses that God had revealed the need to allow Joshua to grow in leadership and to prepare him for his future role as the leader of the Israeli nation. God was moving in them both as Moses gained authority in the spiritual realm and Joshua was learning to know how important prayer was for his life. None of us can move in authority with God if we don't pray and have others praying with us and for us. To succeed in life, we all need both. People praying for us and the courage to press into our daily conflicts with zeal. In verse 15, Moses made an altar and called God Jehovah Nissi. The Lord is my banner. Perhaps a better translation is the Lord is my standard, which in the military is a pole adorned with a flag or ornament that represents the very essence of the unit. It is often presented to the unit by royalty and it is protected at all costs. You cannot even take the standard out of the cupboard or the glass cabinet in which it is stored without having white gloves on. You cannot touch it with bare hands. It is the very essence of the unit. People have gone into battle behind that standard for the entire history. It's then passed from commander to commander or generation to generation over the history of the unit with the battles fought by the unit emblazoned on it. Here we see the standard as being the staff of God held by Moses on top of the hill. Under the new covenant, our standard is Jesus being raised up on a cross as the light of the world.
So in conclusion, we need to accept that the Christian life will involve times when we're on the mountaintop and times when we're in the trenches at the bottom of the valley. We need to acknowledge that God can allow us to face conflict, but in so doing, he gives us the opportunity to draw, draw closer to him and enable him to reveal more of himself. Exodus 17 is a picture of us struggling with sin and the battle of flesh and the spirit. Like the Amalekites, sin and our battles against it will always be around. We need to recognise and apply in our lives the principle that to position ourselves for success in a Christian life, we need to fight our battles on two levels, the physical and the spiritual. Moreover, we need to accept that we cannot do this alone. We need to garner the support of others whilst offering our own encouragement and prayerful support to them. The powerful image of Aaron and her standing on either side of Moses, holding up his arms, which are holding up the staff of God and enabling Israel to prevail in battle, is a very simple yet memorable illustration of the need we have for one another's help. Let's take it to heart and let's look for practical ways in which we can be there for one another to give out of ourselves and to love and to bless each other for the glory of God. We are truly positioned for success. God has given us all the tools we need to seek him and grow in our relationship with him and in so doing, increasing our resilience and our ability to resist the sins of the world. Now, if you feel you're led to pray for another in church, here is your opportunity to do just that. Seek them out and pray for them while you're both here today. If you need prayer, please feel free to come forward and the elders are here to pray with you. If you want to accept Jesus as your standard and be positioned for success with him before you as you fight your daily battles in the physical and the spiritual, please come forward. Let us pray. Lord, we accept Christ as our standard and banner raised up on the cross as the light of the world. We thank you that he goes before us as we fight our battles of sin day by day. Help us to put you first and in so doing support others both in prayer and physically. We thank you, Lord, for the power and necessity of prayer and the importance of the loving support and encouragement that we can give each other when we are weary. Give us the courage and the strength to lift our hands to your holy place, both for ourselves and on behalf of others. Thank you that you've brought us together as the Rock Church, where we can truly demonstrate how much we need each other in order to become whole and to live in the fullness of your blessing. And this we pray in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. To be notified when the next episode is available, subscribe on our website at therock.org.au. You can also connect with us on Facebook at The Rock Christian Church. We hope you have been blessed today and we look forward to you joining us for our next episode.